Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Lord, I want to thank you for all of your goodness. I want to thank you that you are a great God who has already spoken to us this morning about overcoming. I'm so grateful for what you have done for us in our own lives, Lord, that you have redeemed us. And Lord, I'm I'm thankful for the table this morning that we're going to share in together. So thank you, Lord. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. Give us receptive ears right now, Lord Jesus, to be able to hear more of your goodness and kindness to us in our own lives. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So whenever I speak to the body, and this is probably one of the first times I've done it, so please be very kind to me this morning. Here, that's the first time I've spoken here. But when I, when I do speak, you'll regularly hear me start with a very similar scripture, and I'd like us to turn to it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It's good to start with a scripture, isn't it? Are you ready? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I'm reading from the New Living this morning, if you're interested. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Another version that I really love is the J.B. Phillips version, and, and he puts it this way. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. The scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man of God and fit him fully for all branches of his work. I don't need to say any more, do I? Every time I read that scripture, it's a little bit like When I was um, a 16-year-old, I used to go to Snowdonia a lot with a friend. And uh, we used to camp and we used to climb up Snowdon because I'm from Wales. And uh, one of the things that really um, got me thinking was if we were to 
try and climb or go camping, and we were trying to climb a mountain. And Snowdon is quite a big mountain, if you've never done it. But I didn't have the, the right equipment. I didn't take a tent, or I didn't take food, or water, or wherever it may be. Then actually, I'm not equipped for the purpose. And in a similar vein, I, I always see um, my Bible as a little bit like me carrying it in a rucksack. Because that's exactly what we're doing. We should be carrying the word of God with us wherever we go and whatever we're doing all of the time. Yeah. It should be our filter. Yeah. And as, as the word says, it's our comprehensive equipment. Yes. And it fits us fully for all branches of his work. Yeah. I often read that again and think about what we've been talking about recently where, where Paul, in his letters to the churches, has talked about using eloquent words or words of persuasion. And actually, that's man talk, isn't it? Man talk is a little bit like we're trying to, to say something that God has already made very clear through his word. I don't think we need persuasive or eloquent words to reveal the mysteries of his kingdom. I just think we need to read his word more. I actually sometimes wonder if a, a Sunday morning preach should actually just be the public reading of the word. And I don't mean that to suddenly stop us from having a preacher or a, or a person that we respect trying to expound and open the word to us. But I just mean it in that actually it should be a challenge to us to not just listen to podcasts or to listen to people, but just to get ourselves disciplined reading his word. I'll leave that one with you. Um, a few years ago, I hit an age where, although I look young, I had, I had a letter from my family doctor um, who decided to write to me. And you're probably aware that in England in particular, you get invited at certain ages to come for your NHS health check. Some of you might know how old I am from that. This was a few years ago. Um, and it's a physical health check. You know, you go along, you have your blood pressure and your blood tests and things like that done. And today, I almost want to be a little bit like a health check. I want it to be not a physical health check, so there's no blood involved, you'll be pleased to know, but a spiritual health check. A little bit like asking ourselves the question, how am I doing? Not physically, but spiritually. Can you understand that? Yeah. Okay. Um, some of our physical health problems can be changed with a change in our lifestyle. Okay? I think I can say that because, as some of you might know, I, I practice as a doctor. I'm a, I'm a family doctor. I'm a GP. And whether it be blood pressure or diabetes or high cholesterol or heart issues or whatever it may be, there is a certain amount that each one of us can do to try and correct that, a little bit of lifestyle advice. That's what we call it. And in a similar manner, I think we can have a healthy spiritual life by having the right spiritual lifestyle. So you're all on board with me right now? Yes. Okay, fantastic. It really is my privilege to be able to share with you this morning on something very close to my heart. It's a distinguishing hallmark of the Christian faith, and one which I always look forward to with deep regard. 
We do this at home. We do it in other people's homes. We do it in a Sunday morning gathering. As we've just seen, we do it in um, Bible week together. Um, Because it's so important. And of course, I'm talking about the covenant meal. And that's why I've entitled today as What He Has Done. And some of us may look at that and think, the first thing you see is, what has he done? And I did think about that, and I thought, what has he done? And you could just imagine it, you know, Jesus at the time, when he was talking about his death, was actually surrounded by people who were saying, what on earth are you doing, Lord? Don't do it. Surely there must be another way. What are you doing? What has he done? And you can imagine, just at the moment he died on the cross, there could have been people there who said, what has he done? I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm going to look at it because, as we'll see as we go through the word, it's what he has done and what he's achieved as a result of of that particular moment in time. You know, as I said, we ask ourselves the question, surely there must be another way. And if you were at the table with the Lord the night before he died, you might be asking, surely there must be another way. But there wasn't. There was no other way for God to reconcile man to himself. In the context of what we've been hearing over the last few months, um, along the theme of the cross and the crown, I am continually in awe of the selfless, loving act that Jesus did for me. He did it for me, and he did it for you, Stefan. And he did it for you, Diana. And he did it for every single one of us. You'll have to excuse me, I can't name every one of you in the room. But he did it for me, and he did it for you. Just prior to his natural death, he left us with an important instruction and practice, which is what we're going to do today. I want us to look at several scriptures this morning in the context of the covenant meal. And I'm going to frame this word around three themes. You'll be pleased to know there are three R's. We've got remembrance, because that's, it's a remembrance meal. We've got royalty, because it's a royal meal, believe it or not. And we have rejoicing. Because as I said, it's not just about what he's done. It's about what he's achieved as a result of not just his life and his death, but his resurrection into eternal life. So the first one is remembrance. Turn with me, if you would, to the first chapter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Always a good scripture to go to when you're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. But now, when I mention this next issue, obviously this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth, When I mention this next issue, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First of all, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. 
But of course, there must be divisions among you so that those of you who are right will be recognized. It's not the Lord's Supper you are concerned about when you come together. For I am told that some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Is this really true? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace the church of God and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say about these things? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly do not. For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There is order in participating in the meal. You have to be prepared in your relationship with God. And if you've heard me speaking on this before, you'll know that involves looking up in your relationship with yourself, so looking in, and in your relationship with others, looking out. The covenant meal is really an act of reflection where we ask ourselves, how are we doing? What could I be doing better in my walk with God? Are there any unresolved issues with other people that I have? And here's a big one. What would other people say about me? It's a time to ponder, reflect, and as we've, we've heard from the J.B. Phillips version in 2 Timothy, to reset or to redirect. The Greek word for remembrance is anamnesia. Sounds very posh, doesn't it? But anamnesia means the opposite of amnesia. Can you get that? Anamnesia. In essence, it's the opposite of memory loss. You've probably heard some, act, some people after accidents tragically suffer with amnesia. And sometimes during that amnesia, they lose their own identity. We mustn't become amnesic about the covenant meal. As I said at the beginning, it's a hallmark of the Christian faith. It identifies us as being a Christian. Our identity is in him. And we'll come on to that a bit more in a minute. We share in the covenant meal as an act of remembrance of him and what he has done for us. Second one, royalty. It's a royal meal. I did think about using the word regal, but it's a regal meal, it's a royal meal. What does that mean? It's something suitable for a king or a queen. When God chose us in Christ, he did it through Jesus in the only way that would redeem him back to himself. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. When God gave Jesus to the world, he brought us into a whole new life 
and a whole new destiny. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Is that okay? One Peter chapter two and verse four. Come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he is precious to God who chose him. And now God is building you as living stones, you as living stones, into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are God's holy priests who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. As the scriptures express it, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem, a chosen cornerstone, and anyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. Yes, he is very precious to you who believe, but for those who reject him, the stone that was rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. And the scriptures also say he is the one stone that will make people stumble, the rock that will make them fall. They stumble because they do not listen to God's word or obey it. Another important thing, isn't it? And so they meet the fate that has been planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation. Listen, his very own possession. It's wonderful. This is so you can show the others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, no identity. Now you are the people of God. Thank you, Lord. The Amplified Version, which I also love, says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased, special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You don't need to turn to this, but Revelation 3 says, look, Here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. I will invite everyone who is victorious to sit with me on the throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. If you've never seen that before, I want you to know this. I will invite everyone who is victorious to sit with me on the throne. That's quite amazing, isn't it? That's what Jesus is saying to us, that we can sit with him on the throne. And I don't know if you're ready for this, but turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. This page in my Bible is nearly falling out because it's, it's got Ephesians 1 in it and Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3 on the other side. And I just can't help but read Ephesians. And when I was, when I was looking at what to say from, the, from Ephesians uh, in preparing this word, 
I started off in Ephesians 2 and started reading verse 6, and then I thought, verse 5, verse 4, verse 3. So I'm going to start at verse 1, because it's just amazing. It really is just amazing. If you need building up at all in life, in yourself, in your own identity, then just listen to this. Once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to work, used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger, just like everyone else. And then the most famous word in the Bible, but. God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Jesus Christ. And so God can always point to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That literally means before the beginning of time. Isn't that incredible? Wow. The Amplified Version, shortened, sounds a bit of an oxymoron there, but the shortened Amplified says it this way. He made us alive together in fellowship and union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself. He made us alive together. He, made it, he raised us up together in him. And he made us sit down together by giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus. What word did you hear at least three times? Together. Thank you, Carol. Always rely upon you. He made us alive together. He raised us up together and he made us sit down together. The root word of that word, together, in each of those contexts, literally means to do something together for a very long time. It's not just a moment. It's a very long time. And you know it's not going to happen. It has happened. Know who you are in Christ. We are seated with him and in him together in the heavenly realms. I've got so much more I want to tell you about this. And I hope to do it another time. But it's not for now. 
And it's the real distinction between us being with him and in him. There's a huge amount that the Bible has to teach us about being in him. Before I go on to the final one, which is rejoicing, I'm going to ask the youth and youth leaders and anybody in this section which calls itself youth to, would you come and break the bread for us, please, and prepare the wine? Because that's what we're going to do today. So the final one is rejoicing. At the beginning, I mentioned remembrance. But you know, the breaking of bread is not a remembrance service. It's not like something that should and does happen on November the 11th or thereabout to remember what people have done for us and what they've achieved for us. But the, rem- the covenant meal is not a remembrance service. I want you to see it's much more than that. We do it to express our identity. We do it because of who we are in him, that we are in him, seated together with him, risen with him, sitting on the throne together with him. So it's not a remembrance service in terms of a life lost, but it's a remembrance service in terms of life gained and what he achieved for us. God has brought us into his own family He's cherished us for who we are. We are loved for our own sense of identity in him and our own sense of destiny in him. We are not apart from each other. We are all part of the same body. We are all together in this, whether you like it or not. We are all together in this. And participating in this meal is a representation of just that. The covenant meal does not just celebrate the life and death of Jesus. It doesn't stop there. The scripture we've read in Ephesians 2 says that he's raised us from the dead along with Christ in our spiritual bodies. He's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus gave his life so that you, me, might gain life. He gave his life so that we can gain life. He lives, he reigns, and we're seated together with him in the heavenly realms. You can start distributing. I'd be really grateful. As Paul writes in Philippians 4, always... Be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do because the Lord is coming soon. What a platform to be able to break bread with one another. As I said at the beginning, I don't want to use fanciful, eloquent, persuasive words when talking about the breaking of bread. I just want us to understand what it actually means. And to me, that's what it means. Remembrance, royalty, and rejoicing. Have you all got a piece of bread? No, nearly there. I don't have anything more I want to say other than I want us to do it 
examining ourselves, as the word says, asking ourselves those questions that I asked at the beginning, looking at our spiritual as well as our physical health. How are we doing? How could I be doing better in my walk with God? Are there any unresolved issues with other people that I have? What would other people say about me? I want us to use this opportunity to inwardly reflect and change, if that's what we've got to do. You know, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I want you to have the right mindset and the right heart attitude when you break bread this morning. So thank you, Lord, for your body. Thank you that you gave everything. Thank you, God, that you sent your one and only Son, that you gave him so that we may have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.